Welcome to OBS Orbit, the podcast for Open vSwitch users and developers. This is episode number 58. This is a talk by Leonard Rizek, a VMware researcher who previously appeared in OBS Orbit number 44. In this talk, Leonard presents a system that addresses one of the bottlenecks in OVN. This bottleneck is the OVN North D daemon that sits between OVN's northbound and southbound databases. On to the talk. So we are working on uh, a smaller and faster version of uh, OVN North Demon, and I'm going to try and explain uh, why we're doing this, uh, as well as what the new implementation is going to look like. Um, so I'm sure you guys know this architecture better than I do, but just to get on the same page, so this is uh, uh, OVN, uh, which uh, has a data plane, which consists of switches, for example, OS. Uh, managed through a local instance of um, uh, of OVSDB uh, on every switch. Um, we are not going to touch any of that in this project. Uh, and then on the controller side of things, we have two databases, right? We have the, the northbound database that stores uh, virtual network configurations, things like logical switches, routers, uh, um, uh, firewall rules and so on. And this is also your interface to configuring the network. So for example, <coughs> if uh, as a user you type uh, OVN and BCTL add ACL rule, it actually goes and modifies the northbound database. Uh, and the southbound database is essentially a collection of logical flows to be pushed down to the, to the data plane in the first approximation. And again, we're not going to touch either of those databases. It's going to be exactly the same as now. What we are going to change is this piece of software in between, uh, the, the North Daemon, uh, whose job is to keep the, the two databases in sync. So whenever something changes in the northbound database, it's going to read the entire database and it's going to uh, generate a bunch of logical flows uh, and write them to the southbound database. Uh, so one nice thing about OVN is it's really well documented. And so if you look at uh, this one page, it will tell you exactly what North Daemon does. Uh, so, for example, it will, it, it will exactly describe the flow tables, logical flow tables it generates. So, for example, it will say that uh, table number 10 is the ARP and uh, IPv6 uh, neighbor uh, discovery responder, autoresponder. Uh, and then every table will have a bunch of flows. For example, priority 50 flow, uh, there is going to be one of those for every known IPv6 address and it's going to uh, handle IPv6 neighbor solicitation packets by generating uh, a neighbor advertisement packet for, it, for each known IPv6 address. And then for each of those rules, if you look at the NORSD source code, you'll see a piece of code that looks roughly like this. Um, uh, so it's a loop that uh, iterates uh, over all known IPv6 addresses, right? And for each address, it's going to uh, generate a logical flow. And the main parts of the logical flow are the match condition and the action, and those are two strings. And so all of this code in the middle is basically responsible for generating those strings, right? So uh, for the match condition, for example, we generate an open flow match condition that matches on neighbor solicitation packets. And for the action, we are going to generate uh, uh, an open flow action that, uh, well, it's not strictly open flow, it's, I guess, an uh, obvious version of open flow. Uh, message uh, that, that 
curious neighbor advertisement. Now, uh, is there anything that you guys don't like about this code? <laughs> Anyone? Doing the stream processing in C. You knew, you knew the answer. <laughs> yeah, so, so one thing that I personally dislike is all this print fly code. It's really just generating those uh, um, uh, open flow commands. Uh, another thing that, that's not optimal about it is the fact that this code has to run every time anything in the, in the database changes. So anytime there is a new record or a deleted or modified record in the northbound database, we have to go and recompute all these flows. How bad is it in practice? Well, depends how big your network is. Uh, so we did this experiment. Uh, we built a virtual network with, uh, I think, uh, 10 uh, logical switches, and we varied the number of uh, VMs connected to every logical switch from 10 to 190. And we measured the time it took to only recompute the flows, logical flows. So this doesn't include the time it takes to go and update the switches. It turns out that uh, for uh, 190 VMs per, uh, per switch, it takes 17 seconds. How bad this is depends on you know, how many of those updates you have per second, uh, per, per minute, or whatever. Um, but I understand that there are use cases and there are users who start finding this uh, unacceptable, and that, that's one of the one of the issues. Um, okay, so there are these at least these two issues, and as a matter of fact, they've been known for a while. And a couple of years ago, uh, Ben actually implemented a solution to one of them. Uh, so the idea was instead of all this horrible print flag code to have a nicer uh, sort of surface syntax that he called a flow template language. Uh, uh, to, to express this, exactly the same logic. It's based on another existing language called Flower. Um, and so uh, FTL is really this very minimal language. All it lets you do is uh, write a bunch of uh, for loops. They can be nested. Every for loop iterates over, table, uh, over a table. For example, this one iterates over logical switch port IP table. It can filter the table using this if clause, boolean condition in the if clause. And then it can bound uh, the various uh, columns in the table to uh, uh, variable names, so E, A, P, and S. And then finally, inside the loop for every matching record, it can generate one or more flows. Uh, and as before, uh, uh, the flow consists of primarily the match condition and an action, which are as before strings, but this FTL language lets you do string interpolation, which means that uh, inside the string, you can embed variable names, and they're automatically converted into strings and uh, nicely concatenated without all this, uh, you know, uh, variadic uh, C function nightmare. Okay, so in my opinion, this is way nicer than uh, what it looks like at the moment. So how come it's not in the uh, mainline um, OVN code? So first of all, it only solves one of the two problems. This is still not incremental, at least the way it was implemented. By the way, Ben, I'm talking about stuff that you did, so if I'm misrepresenting something, uh, let me know. Uh, uh, another issue, it turns out you cannot do all of OVM uh, using only this language. In particular, you cannot do relatively simple things that require some kind of aggregation over a table. So let's look at an example. Uh, so, uh, so as a matter of fact, Ben actually implemented all of OVM in this language, and this is an example from his code. Uh, so there is a rule here which says, um, for uh, every logical switch, we are going to generate a flow, doesn't matter what it does, but we're only going to do this if this logical switch uh, has any stateful ACLs. 
now the problem is this has stateful ACL flag is not really part of uh, the logical switch table. Uh, instead, it's a computed value. What this means is it's true if there exists at least one entry in the ACL table uh, uh, that has a stateful rule, specifically a rule with allow-related uh, action. So doing this in C is really easy. You can write this has stateful ACL function. It's actually it's in there in OVN. It iterates through, uh, through the access control list and finds a matching entry. Um, but you cannot express this, express this in FTL. So, so Ben's condition at the time was, uh, sorry, solution at the time was to introduce this uh, phantom columns into tables that had to be computed in C. And uh, the way it was done, it was actually integrated with the OVSDB access library. And I think this is the part that Ben felt wasn't uh, easily maintainable. So this is why it wasn't uh, mainlined. Um, Okay, so what we want to do in this project is we still think that FTL is a nice idea. Uh, we were actually going to do something slightly different, but when Ben showed FTL, it looked really pretty. Um, so we just need to address those issues. In particular, we want to work on FLTL that doesn't have this limitation that lets you express, um, uh, express those aggregate queries. So we really have a superset of FTL with very slight uh, syntactic changes. Uh, so a lot of Ben's code should still compile. Uh, but it does let you express complex queries and it has incremental evaluation. Uh, so we haven't implemented it yet, but we, have, we built a prototype earlier doing something very similar. And we actually implemented, re-implemented almost all of OVN in this prototype. And so the purple line shows the performance. And even though what we did as back at the time wasn't really optimized in any way, you can see that uh, updates can be computed in under millisecond even as the network get, gets pretty large. So this is the, the performance we're hoping for. What kind of a change does that represent? It, it, that yeah, so, okay, so the thing is, it actually doesn't matter. It, it's exactly the same thing. Oh, uh, so the change was uh, adding a new, uh, adding, I think connecting a new VM, to the adding, adding a new logical port. But it actually doesn't matter because pretty much for any change to the northbound database, I think it triggers your computation, doesn't it? I, I guess the question was, that that's for a small change. Yeah, 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 so the idea is you have to do all that even if you make a very tiny change. Mm -hmm. um, but the big change caused exactly that much, uh, exactly this much because you can have everything. Um, okay, so what's, uh, um, what's the secret sauce here? So <coughs> the thing is, uh, FTL, even though it looks like imperative language because you have these four loops, it's really a declarative language in disguise. So if you guys are familiar with uh, the original NVP uh, uh, virtual network implementation and the NLog language, uh, you know, it's, it's basically exactly that, just with nicer syntax. So what this loop really tells you is uh, uh, for every record in the logical switch table that satisfies the condition, we want to generate a flow. So if you had a, a declarative language like data log, for example, uh, well, you could say we have a table of flows that has a bunch of fields <coughs> like uh, data path, ID, uh, table number, priority, match, and action. Um, and we will have a rule that says that for every logical switch whose uh, has stateful ACL flag is true, we are going to generate one of these flows. Why does it matter? Well, because for uh, declarative languages like data <coughs> log, you actually have uh, well-known incremental evaluation techniques. Um, and so that's what we do. We implement an incremental evaluation algorithm for data log. So really, the language we are building, it's called, uh, uh, the real name is differential data log, not, not FTL++. 
Uh, and really, it is syntactic sugar over data log. Uh, and in cases where, where, where the FTL syntax is not sufficient, it actually lets you write uh, uh, data log directly. So in this example, with the uh, has stateful ACL flag, uh, what you do is you declare a new relation, which you will implement using data log. So the relation is called logical switch has stateful ACL. Think of it as a view in an SQL database. Uh, it has a single column the logical switch ID, and you will have a record in this database for exactly those logical switches that have uh, one or more stateful uh, ACLs. Uh, and you compute this using a data log rule, which says for every ACL record uh, uh, that has a matching logical switch ID and allow related action, you're going to uh, add a record into the stateful ACL table. Uh, and then we can use this table uh, inside the FTL program uh, uh, to fil filter the set of logical switches to only those that have stateful ACL rules. Um, okay, so one thing I should explain is uh, differential data log is really not part of OVN. It's, we are building it as a separate tool that anybody who needs uh, either incremental data log or something like incremental flower uh, language uh, can use which I think is a good thing because it means it will have you know, use cases and support from outside of OVN community, hopefully. Um, uh, and because, like I said, uh, the nice thing about data log is it has this uh, incremental, uh, incremental evaluation algorithms, but implementing one of them is actually not that easy. So we are building it on top of another framework called differential data flow. It, it's uh, uh, a very nice, high performance. Uh, it's written in Rust and it lets us implement this uh, incremental evaluation relatively easily. Uh, so the new tool chain for uh, compiling the Norse daemon looks like this. So you start with uh, a new Norse daemon implementation, which will be written in this new language. Uh, uh, our tool will compile it down into a piece of Rust code that will internally use a differential data flow framework, which is in Rust. Uh, and then finally, the actual NORSD executable will be produced by the Rust compiler. Um, okay, so where are we here? Uh, so there are really two parts of this project. One is building uh, this uh, differential data log tool, and we are about halfway through it, and we're hoping to be done by August. The second one is porting uh, OVN uh, to this new language. We are hoping to be able to use Ben's uh, old implementation as a starting point. I mean, one problem is it must have been bit-rotted somewhat uh, over two years. Um, and uh, although, like, technically, I think that uh, we could do this on our own, this is the step where we could really use some help from uh, the OVN developers uh, because, you know, I'm not fully confident that uh, uh, I can get it right uh, on my own. Um, so at this point, we'll have uh, a new, shiny, fast, and small implementation of NOSD, but I think there are additional improvements to be made. So if you go back to that program where you know, there were a couple of things that we didn't like, I actually dislike a few more things about it. And one of them is it's uh, not really strongly typed, because what it does is it produces open flow rules, but it produces them as strings, right? And uh, you could, in, in principle, generate a string that is not valid open flow. And I think this is something that a good compiler should catch for you. And I think we can, we can actually change, uh, change it and have strong typing for open floor rules. Uh, and, and, and then 
I think maybe as, as an extra, if you can even go one step above OpenFlow, because OpenFlow is not, it's a nice sort of low-level API for switches, but it's not the nicest programming language. Because, sorry, when you say OpenFlow, you actually talk about the, the um, oven logical flows, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, so not actually OpenFlow. Uh, sorry? Not actually OpenFlow. Yes, yeah, so it's uh, open. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. Yes. Logical. I just want to make sure we're being clear about the terms just because there was an earlier version that actually did speak directly right. to program OpenFlow. Right, yeah, thanks for that clarification. So, yeah, so the, uh, I guess, OpenFlow based logical flow language. Um, so, the thing is, I don't like it because it forces you to encode, uh, you know, control flow using priorities and table numbers, and that's something that's you know, not very easy to read and easy, easy to get wrong. And I think there's another place where we can raise a little section. Um, as one of the following steps. Uh, so, did you have a question? Oh no. Oh, sorry. Okay. Sorry. I thought you were raising your hand. Um, okay. So, maybe you're still asking why do I care? Because maybe you're not one of those people running huge networks where scalability is really an issue. And uh, as for making the code nicer, well, you know, okay, six thousand lines of C code. It's gonna be whatever. Two thousand lines, lines maybe of. Uh, of uh, this new FTL code, but you know, it's code that's there that, that works. Why, 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 why should we be worried about it? Um, but I think uh, uh, part of the story here is that Pavian is really more than just this fixed set of features we have now. It's internally this highly modular, uh, potentially extensible framework for programming networks. It has, you know, this uh, obvious DB switch at the, at the bottom. It has OVS, sorry, uh, OVS switch at the bottom, and then it has OVSDB as a, as a way to both control the switch, but also to synchronize uh, state across, you know, controller and multiple switches. Uh, and then you have the southbound database, which gives you the logical flow abstraction. And, and that's really just making the whole network look like a bunch of physical switches. And what you build on top is, 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 is almost... Uh, uh, Unrestricted right now. So at the moment, it's uh, you know whatever the uh, OVN implements, but there's nothing preventing you from building something very different from you know extending OVN with whatever uh, QoS uh, features, for example, you're interested in, or building something completely new. Maybe you know something as insane as uh, software-defined uh, you know LTE core network or software-defined uh, central office or whatever. Uh, and I think one of the points of this work is to um, really open up that programmability and, and, and turn OVN into a programmable framework. Um, so uh, this development is all open source, obviously, uh, and you can look at uh, our current progress on GitHub. Thank you. Questions? Thanks a lot. One, one thing, so I think, uh, so I totally agree that the Open lossy rate computing is not efficient. But just one, maybe one comment about the the, the the diagram about the scalability. I think there is already some improvements because I think that uh, from 0.1 second to 10 seconds is 100 plus VMs. That's too bad. I think that's probably because the ACL uh, is used and the ACL actually is using the uh, address set which everything belongs to the same address set, so that's an exponential uh, number of flows in program. Now we had already had a feature of the pod group, and that combined with uh, the, 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 
the feature in the in a, in a flow computing it's called forgot the name but human was implemented that so basically combine these two features uh, I think Mark Microsoft has some test it's already improved a lot so basically from more than 1,000 flows turned, turns out to be just uh, 100, 200 flows. So that should not be that bad. I agree, in general, that the increment processing is more efficient. Right. Um, okay, so, so the way I obtained the test is I think uh, we just took, um, so there is this uh, OVM test suite, uh, which I think, uh, uh, as it is, it has like three switches or something. So I just took that, that test case and scaled it artificially by changing loop bounds to create more switches. Uh, so uh, I'm absolutely sure that there, you can totally stay with NC and uh, keep improving the performance. Uh, I think problem is it does come with a lot of complexity if, as, as you keep pushing it. Um, with this language, it actually gets simpler. Sure. And, and all yeah, the just want to uh, the minor question for the data. It's not that bad. Yeah, I think the point is just that it's yeah. it's gotten better from the 180 okay. seconds. It was the point, not that it's, not that it's not useful work, but just that the yeah, thing, things agree. are not as not bad easy. as that. Right, right. right. I think it's yeah. 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 yeah, I'm hoping that the improvements are additive, so that, that improvement and this improvement add up to a big improvement. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so is it going to increase the difficulty of uh, debugging? Like, like right now, we are using FTL and using uh, DB. And then probably will, how do we debug? Uh, right now it's C code, so probably it's easier for us to debug. So I guess in the future we want to use it, and probably compiler has some issue, and this new language might have an issue, right? So is it going to be more difficult for sure. us? Because we are not from the language uh, compiler <laughs> background, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so one part of the answer is we're actually trying to test it, but it's thorough, including performance testing and memory testing. Um, we will need to add also some support for debugging, which is, uh, it's not going to be like, uh, um, um, you know, GDB-based debugging, but for example, we can uh, add a feature to the compiler to generate explanations for why this particular flow is there. So one of the nice things about the, the current OVM trace implementation is that it can actually uh, give you a, a file uh, file name and line number of the code that generated a particular flow. Um, it probably isn't too hard to put that into this so that you can get the, say, the file name and the line number of the FTL that, that generated a particular uh, southbound flow. Sounds very nice. Yeah. I, I found that helpful. So um, Harold in the in the corner came a little bit. Um, he works on NSX and um, is has quite a bit of experience with NLog. Are there anything that like from your experience of having to build large NLog applications that um, you know might be useful to discuss or, or hear about, um, or, or concerns that you have, or advice or anything? Well, at least for debugging, at least for NLog, what we have is we have a. We have a tool that dumps the runtime run state, and you can load it into like a SQLite tree, and then you can see all of those tables that was generated, and then you—that's how you feed the bug. Right? If something is missing, like a flow is missing, then we try to trace back like whether this input table contains what we need, whether it got computed, whether or not. So that that is very very helpful. At least getting a dump. So at least from our side, it. 
which is say SX crash as part of the support bundle will get dumped. And then in our offline environment, we can just load it into our like uh, SQLite 3 and then view all of the tables that we need think, for this particular uh, part of the pipeline. I guess that's a that's a class of debugging we haven't had to do much with OVN because uh, the equivalent part of OVN is so simple and so stupid that it, it rarely has bugs and they're usually usually pretty obvious when, when they do come up. Um, my guess is that this won't really make OVN OVN's flows inherently more complex, um, but maybe it'll make it easier to make complex flow tables. So maybe we'll end up doing that more. Yeah, I think that's exactly true, because uh, right now your implementation doesn't even have, like your implementation of OVN using GFTL doesn't even have nested loops. So it's, it's as simple as it gets. Uh, but here, the language is more powerful. And, uh, as you start writing, you know, especially data log with negations and recursion, which you maybe don't need, then you get into a more complicated space. Yeah, so uh, the story that, that Tema gave me around NLog was that initially they designed the engine to be uh, really fairly complete in terms of data log features, and then over time they uh, discovered that they didn't actually need a lot of those features, like the, uh, the recursion and the negation. On the other hand, if they're available and there's not much a cost, then uh, why, not, uh, why, why not have them? And it sounds like differential data log already has them, is that right? Yeah, so this language and the underlying platform supports both uh, stratified negation and recursion. Uh, and they're not ubiquitously useful, but uh, in my experience implementing you know, uh, something very similar to OVN, building a language similar to this one, occasionally they are useful, especially negation. Justin and I spent about the first year of, of OVN uh, telling people uh, strenuously uh, that OVN is an application and not a platform because we wanted people to think of it as an application and not as a platform. But uh, it, it seems uh, you know, more and more obvious that, of course, there's a, a platform in there. And I, I think, really, you've, you've been using it uh, more, more as a, a platform at, at eBay. Is that, uh, is yeah, that we're using it mostly for the um, fine-grained micro-segmentation. Let's say it's a platform or application. We don't really care too much. Okay. <laughs> so one of the things you mentioned with this, this mention of negation, so sometimes that can be very difficult to actually implement efficiently. And I wonder if then, it makes me wonder if we also, just because you can do something doesn't mean that it will work, it'll turn out well, like when it actually gets pushed down to OBS. So I wonder if it also will need some sort of, a little bit more of like introspection, which is, you know, like, yes, you can do negation, but you could end up with a ton of flows or something that's like inefficiently, right. um, you know. Um, yeah, because I, yeah, I agree with the sentiment, uh, especially given that there are no negations or not. Right. Uh, except for, I'm not sure, like, when I start implementing the code that's currently in C mm -hmm. uh, in, in, uh, in data logs, so that might actually have <coughs> some equivalence of negation there. Um, Okay, so for one thing, at least our, the cost of doing negations in our language is uh, only the essential cost of what, you know, it really has to cost you algorithmically, there is no extra work it. I guess if it's never used, okay, sure, we can subset the language and not use it. And we can also give, we should also really produce maybe some information about uh, you know, which of your statements generate the most flows, for example. Right. Or the most computation overhead. Right. Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think that we will probably 
it's not a reason not to have negation, but just more that um, I imagine that when we're writing the flows, that we'll have to be very careful about what flows get generated. And I mean, it's kind of an obvious statement, but it, it'd be easy to write something that seems correct, but actually won't be efficient. And so you know, it's almost like you know, this stuff is you know, you know, probably early compilers, which is you know you use something, some feature, you actually might need to drop down to the assembly and actually see what it's producing because it may not be fully efficient. So you mentioned about analog. Uh, so what actually is a difference or improvement from analog to this DD? Yeah, so um, if, you, if you think about um, this whole approach of... So I, I guess so the key idea behind analog and a bunch of other languages um, that came, up, came later is that if you manage to express your um, your forwarding logic in a declarative way, then you get incremental evaluation for free. Uh, but I would argue that data log is not the most natural way to to do this uh, because it's not a language that makes things like sequential composition or you know conditional branching very easy to express. Uh, I think it's really nice as long as you talk about configuration. So, for example, I know that uh, OVN doesn't do it, but for example, computing shortest paths or shortest routes mm, uh, in, in analog or data log is probably really nice. But when you start talking about flow table entries, I think it's uh, it's not a very intuitive language. So, I mean, okay, so this example is as, as simple as it gets. And I would argue that the thing at the top is way easier to understand than the thing at the bottom. To, to most people, and you can see that as they accumulate and you have, you know, rules that depend on other rules, it very quickly becomes something that uh, you know, nobody really wants to understand on the team. And uh, your data log example actually shows a little more syntactic convenience than you see in a lot of the implementations. You have some extensions there for, uh, like, named columns, for example. Mm. Um, when I've seen data log examples, usually they haven't included that, and it's even harder to read. Okay, so in this language you do have this convenience, uh, but I, I would argue that, uh, that the, you know, writing for loops or even nested for loops is kind of more intuitive. It might be interesting to, to hear from Harold since you've probably written uh, more data log or n log than anybody else in the room. Yeah, at least uh, with n log, the, there's a learning curve because most people don't have that background, and it's like similar to that. Right, so most of thing when you look at analog code is just tables, tables and rules, right? Tables join with other tables and all of that. So you need to have more context on top of it. And if you have like, yeah, I, I would agree that looking at the top part of it, the FTL, it's easier to understand for people, like just trying to understand what's happening in the code, especially if you have new people coming in trying to for new engineers, then it's easier for them to code how it's compared to what you have in the data log example here, because with the data log example, you need to know like what tables, what columns you need, what tables you need, and how they join together and all that. So, so my personal experience writing data log, uh, it's one of those languages that's kind of easier to write than to read. So when you have all this context in mind and you write these rules, it seems really nice how you know complex everything is. 
But then a month later, you look at this code, and uh, there's no kind of, like in C, you can just step through the program and you know what it's doing. With data log, it's much more sort of uh, going backwards kind of thing. So by the way, the FTL syntax also will allow named columns. So you can specify the flow up there, you can say <coughs> that data path equals or less if you want. Thank, thank you for the uh, presentation. OVS Orbit is edited and produced by Ben Pfaff using Audacity audio editing software and released under the Creative Commons Unported 3.0 license. The intro and bumper music in this episode is excerpted from Electro Deluxe by My Free Mickey and the outro from Girls Like You by Stefan Kartenberg, both under the Creative Commons Attribution Unported 3.0 license. For more episodes of OVS Orbit, visit ovsorbit.org, or for more information about OpenVSwitch, visit openvswitch.org.